Is fear holding you back in your private practice? Maybe you're just starting out or you have some ideas for expanding into a group practice, group counseling, or have some other entrepreneurial ideas. In today's episode, we'll explore powerful strategies and real-life stories that guide you through that maze of doubt and uncertainty. Discover how to cultivate a mindset that not only survives, but thrives in the face of challenges. It's time to rewrite that narrative of fear and failure. Our expert guest shares their insights on building resilience, overcoming setbacks, and finding your unique path to success. Get ready to embrace a new perspective, shift your mindset, and break free from the shackles of fear. Let's pave the way to a more confident, resilient you on today's episode of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. This is Holistic Counseling, the podcast for mental health therapists who want to deepen their knowledge of holistic modalities and build their practice with confidence. I'm your host, Chris McDonald, licensed therapist. I am so glad you're here for the journey. Welcome to today's episode of the Holistic Counseling Podcast. I am fresh back from Thanksgiving break and had a much needed disconnection from life, from everything. And sometimes I feel like I enjoy my time off too much. I don't know about you, but I was feeling really burned out this fall and it really caught up with me. So I am just thankful to have that time off to decompress and then to be able to have the energy to get back into things. But I got a question for you. Have you ever found yourself held back by the looming fear of failure in your practice? Whether you're just starting your journey or maybe you're a seasoned practitioner, this episode can help you to find the tools to deal with that fear of failure. So we're going to dive into the transformative power of mindset, exploring strategies to cultivate resilience, overcome those setbacks, and ultimately pave your way to success. Our guest today is Dr. Priscilla Hidalgo. Her practice, Lux Psychiatry, focuses on helping busy and stressed people live happier lives with tailored treatment and direct care. She also has special interest in women's mental health and physician wellness. Today, she brings forth her wisdom and real-world experiences, offering you a roadmap to navigate the emotional landscape of running a private practice. Welcome to the Holistic Counseling Podcast, Priscilla. Thank you for having me. Can you share your journey about how you became a practice owner? Of course. Um, As you know, I'm a physician. I did medical school in Dominican Republic. I did psychiatry residency at the University of Virginia, and I'm also subspecialized in geriatric psychiatry. Even though nowadays my practice focuses more on general adult psychiatry and women's mental health. I, after training, as you can imagine, I had had all sorts of jobs. Did you take a shift there (laughs) and who you work with? Well, you know, I, I had all sorts of types of patients, but right now I work more with women's mental health and general adult patients. I have done all sorts of things in patient work, mostly outpatient the last few years. And like many of us, I've done my community mental health clinic kind of jobs. And what ended up happening is that with all these jobs, it was very clear to me that if I wanted to do things my way, I was going to have to have my own power practice. And what that means for a lot of us psychiatrists is that in many practices, they want us to see patients every 15 or 20 minutes, 
which is not my style. And I figured if I really wanted that, I needed to have my proper practice. So my appointments are longer. My follow-up appointments are 30 minutes long. Wow. Yeah. I also wanted to make sure that I was accessible to patients. So my schedule is a little bit odd. Uh, I do have some hours that are during regular business hours, like nine to five, but I have a lot of appointments that are on the weekends or like after 5 p.m. Because I want to make sure that there were, you know, other professionals like me could actually have access to see the doctor. So that's how I got started. That's true. Because you think about physicians, that's probably much more difficult for them to get away for appointments. Well, I think for, for many professionals and even I've had, since I do a lot of women's mental health, I have a lot of moms. So let's say between work and getting home, they're like, I just need like just like those 30 minutes for us to talk. And I'm usually able to do that after then done with work. So it actually works out pretty well. I like it. That's great. But it sounds like you want to pace yourself too with your appointments, which is amazing because I know a lot of times I have clients that go to psychiatrists and they just feel like, snap your fingers, you're in and out, you're in and out, come on. (laughs) Yes. And that is certainly not my style. Exactly. prefer to develop my relationship with patients. And and I think that there's so much that is happening in someone's life that, you know, 15 minutes of like covering medications and what's happening in your life is, is not enough. Ooh, that's tough. Yeah. <laughs> but you can make more money. I know somebody's saying that right now. Right? Oh, trust me, I've heard it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you've heard that. Have you gotten pushback from other physicians in your approach? I wouldn't say pushback. I would say a lot of them have been, they have expressed to me that, wow, that is actually really cool that you, that you do that. Because I think a lot of it's- You're a trailblazer. A little bit. I'd like to think so. And, and there are a lot of people that I've met that have left their other jobs and now they are doing private practice. And they tell me, oh my God, I had no idea how burned out I was until I started doing my own thing. Or I had no idea how much I love medicine because now I have a renewed sense of purpose and I'm enjoying my patients more because now I don't feel so pressed for time or I don't feel like somebody's breathing down my neck with like productivity and and all sorts of things. And numbers and all that. Yeah. That was rough in uh, community mental health, man. I remember the owner would be like, here's your numbers. Your numbers are down. I'm like, because they all cancel. (laughs) (laughs) It's not my fault. But yeah, there's so many nuances when it comes to having a practice. I actually was talking today with a friend of mine who he's a psychiatrist, but he also did an MBA. And he's actually working more from the administrative side of the practice that he works at. And I was telling him that it's so great to have someone that actually has been in the trenches and actually knows what it's like to see patients and what we need to do and help that inform his decisions as an administrative person. Because a lot of times you have all these people that have really no experience in mental health and, and they don't really understand what happens in a session and after a session and in between essentially. True. Yeah, no, that I think that's great for that empathy piece. So understanding that where you're coming from. So tell me about your personal experience with fear of failure. So has that come up for you to break away from community mental health and the other places you've worked? Well, it's, I would say it's a work in progress, at least once a day. still there. <laughs> you a little panic going Certainly, <laughs> certainly. I think the fear of failure has always been there. And, and I think it has to do with how many, you know, many times I think it kind of helps us be better. You know, it helps us say, okay, we're, I, I don't feel like I have enough knowledge, so I'm going to study more. So, and all those things are the, the nice things about it, let's say. 
But the fear of failure is a really is a real thing, especially when you're opening your private practice. And and honestly, I really thought that it was just going to be like that initial part of opening my practice, but it has been throughout. And I think it has to do with kind of comparing ourselves and also constantly thinking about, well, what if this doesn't work out? What if I fail at this? Does that mean that I'm not good enough? And all the thoughts and emotions that we have behind that. For me, it shows up not a whole lot in the ways of like, I don't have enough knowledge because I I think I am qualified, but that also has been a work in progress because (laughs) yeah, that developing that confidence in how good of a psychiatrist I am has taken some time. But I think it has to do when we start seeing like other people's practices. And and I'll give you an example. I was looking for an office space and a friend of mine had just opened her space. Uh, she's not even a psychiatrist. And she was showing on social media her new office space. And my first thought was, oh my gosh, this is so cool for her because I know how hard she worked on that. But then the second thought was, see, she has an office space and I don't. Like, how am I ever going to grow a practice? You know, I don't know anything about business and so on. And it had to be, you know, and and this is something I still practice every day, which is like taking a moment and try to reframe the way that I think about what are perceived failures. And I put that in quotes because it's not- You said perceived failure. What is perceived failure? Because it's not a failure just because she's opening her practice, you know, has an office space, not a failure on my part. Eventually, I find I find an office, you know, and I have an office where I see patients. So, you know, you know what I mean? So I, I think it has to do with sometimes how we compare ourselves and also what we think of the expectation should be. And that's why I say perceived, because it's not necessarily true. Yeah, for sure. And I know a lot of listeners are mental health clinicians who are either starting or have started that. And it's, it can be a rocky road. Now, for me, what's happened is... It was a slow progress for me to build my caseload. And I did not write on Facebook like some people, oh, after three months, I'm full (laughs) and not permanently full. No. So there's the ebbs and flows. So I think the fear of failures come up sometimes too. Like, oh my God, like I'm really light on cases this week that I have. I'm like, ooh, what do I need to do? What am I doing wrong? Does that happen to you at all? Yes. And and I would even take it a step further, not even when we're talking about like, you know, not having enough patience and all that stuff, but also the business side of it. Because I, I don't know about you, but like I didn't receive business classes when I went to medical school or residency. So there, there has to be a moment, and I would imagine everybody goes through this, where you're like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what I'm doing when it comes to business. And then you have to start learning more and more about it. And then you start thinking about, wait, do I have enough money for this? Does this mean that I can afford buying this thing that would be helpful for my practice? Do I even need it? Am I going to have enough patience to be able to actually make my payroll? So, I mean, there's so many things that we don't really... that we don't think about a whole lot when we are in training. And then after training, when we open our private practice and all these things kind of start flooding in that, you know, it's part of owning a business. And and I think also us mental health practitioners have also been trained to 
sort of not be very comfortable with talking to patients about payment. And I remember I had a professor at residency who said, you have to be comfortable talking about money with patients. And and I, I had a conversation with her. I was like, I don't know, like, I just want to help. Like, it feels... Yeah, fun. for listeners, she just made a face too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's it just, it's it, the thought, I just, I'm remembering where I was in my office in residency yes. when you had that conversation because <laughs> it was so uncomfortable. And then I, you know, she said the most amazing thing. She's like, you actually owe it to your patients to do that. Because if you want to help people, your office has to be open. And for that, you need to be able to make money. I love that. Yeah. And it's like, if you want to do pro bono work or you want to have a sliding scale or something, if you want to do that, your business also has to make money in order to be able to do that. So in a way, you have to be comfortable with doing these things so that way your business can thrive and you can do the other things that you want to do. That's a good theme for people to remember for sure that we have to do this. But I think, isn't it too, that listeners also have to work through their own money issues? Exactly. Exactly. There is the fear that, okay, I'm not going to have enough. What if, or or like for instance, when they're normal, and, and I think you probably have experienced this, when there are times of the year that you're getting patients all the time, and then it gets really slow. And what are the, some of the first things that we think about? Oh my gosh, I'm not going to have enough patients. I'm going to have to close down. This is, I mean, and then we start catastrophizing. Like how much do I need to pay my bills this month? (laughs) Exactly. And then we start thinking none of this stuff is actually going to work out. And it, it has to do, you know, I agree with you with the way that we think about money, also like our own limiting beliefs when it comes to money, but also, you know, our understanding of the business and, and kind of how it works out. And I mean, this is a whole conversation when it comes to like, how do you plan for slower months and, and all those things. But I think it's very hard to go through all these different stages in your business in just one year or even, you know, a few months and then not think about, am I really doing the right thing? This is just not going to work out. Yeah. And then eventually I'm going to fail. There's that thought, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you. And there's still things that I'm still learning. And I I opened my private practice with an office space in 2015, but I just got a letter from state taxes in North Carolina. I was like panicked about something that I got and I just sent it to my account. So it's like, there's still stuff that you're still learning. And I think just giving yourself grace, giving that card of grace to say, hey, you know, it's okay. Let's find out the information. Let's be rational about this. Let's figure out what we need to do. And certainly, and I don't know about you, but do you like doing like the business side of things? No. bookkeeping the accounting because exactly to me that is the most boring thing and I procrastinate on that I mean not as much as I used to but like before I was like yeah sure I'll do it next week I'll do it next week and then you know eventually anxiety thrives in avoidance so by the time I got to it then I'm all anxious about okay like do I have enough money to do this is there anything else I need to do differently and I mean it's 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 a very complex issue and also if you really think about it the way that we think about failure I think is that the root of everything. You know, we, we don't we think of failure as something actually bad. And and I would say my hardest work has been on reframing the way that I think about failure. I try not to think about failure, but rather think about it as feedback. That, you know, I try something, I experiment with something. If it works out, you know, great. If it doesn't work out, then I can learn from it. But that is not to say that that doesn't come with thoughts and feelings <laughs> behind it. <laughs> it is true. It does take some intentionality and in, in work through and reframing because it's easy for to get overwhelm yourself with that and but to take it personally because sometimes we might start something and it's not working but it may not just be personal (laughs) 
it may be so many factors going on. Like, let's say you started something new and and the pandemic hit. Well, guess what? Then you have a whole other factor. So I think just keeping an open mind to that, too. Exactly. Like when I opened my private practice, I opened it as a telemedicine practice, uh, even before the pandemic, because I wanted to make sure it was accessible to people. And the year that I actually wanted to get an office space that I actually needed to start looking for an office space, then the pandemic happened. So so then now I'm like, okay, nothing has really changed, but then marketing has to change now because we're in the middle of a pandemic. So things are completely different and we have to take on all these different things. And I, I'm like, guys, there's so many things I've done that haven't really worked out. And it always comes with the thought and, you know, the this is not good. I'm never going to make it. I'm going to fail. The sadness, the frustration, the anger, the feeling lost. But then once I'm done with that part of the grief, <laughs> then <laughs> I'm able to kind of see things for the bigger picture. And, and then I'm able to get back on the horse, as they say. Building and managing the practice you want can be challenging. That's why Alma offers administrative tools, time-saving resources, and an easy way to navigate insurance. So whether you're just starting out or have been working independently for years, you can get the support you need to build your private practice. Create a profile in Alma's searchable directory and share what makes you unique, like your specialties and areas of expertise. People who are looking for care can filter by these details so that they're not finding any therapists, they're finding you. Alma will also help you get credentialed with major insurance payers within 45 days and handle all of the paperwork from eligibility checks to claim submissions. That means you can spend less time on the details and more time delivering great care. Plus, they guarantee payment within two weeks of every appointment. You support your clients, Alma supports you. Visit helloalma.com to learn more. That's hello, A-L-M-A dot com. Yeah, yeah. So as long as you could pick yourself back up too. So, but how do we stay in that mindset, that more resilient mindset? What do we do? I don't think you can easily stay there. Um, Why not? (laughs) Well, once I figure that out, I'll let Let you know. Let me know. (laughs) I mean, the the reason why I I say that I don't think we can actually stay that way is because the business can be fluid and you have to change, you know, you have to change so many times the way that you do things and the way that you think about things that I actually think is an advantage to be flexible and not only think about, you know, one way. One of the things that I that has helped me, like I said, is trying to reframe the way that I think about failure and also recalling my past successes. So if I if I feel, you know, kind of a little bit kind of wobbly and I'm like, this is really not going to work out or something, then I actually try to think about the things that I've done and I think about my why. And my why is always I want to help people and, and I want to be able to help people have the access to quality care and have a personal direct psychiatric care for my patients. And once I go back to that, then I feel, okay, this is good because I'm accomplishing that and I have accomplished that with many patients. So I'm like, okay, this is good. And thinking about that and also pairing that with being able to gather my tribe, which is composed of like my family, my friends, my colleagues, people that remind me that, hey, this is good. You know, you can cannot compare yourself to this person because X, Y, and Z, and and kind of gives you that reality check. Let me give you an example. One of the things that I want to do in my private practice that I want to expand is as a speaker. Several months ago, I, I, I was invited to speak on a podcast about anxiety. I literally got the text. I chuckled and I showed it to my husband. I was like, this is a joke, right? Like, 
I don't know anything about it. And he's like, what do you mean you don't know anything about anxiety? This is your bread and butter. Like, this is what you do every single day. You've been trained, like you've been in training over half of your life with this. And and I remember thinking, I was like, you know what? It's absolutely right. And then um, he said something very interesting. It's like, there are people with less qualification than you are actually providing advice online. So keep that in mind. I was like, kudos you know, to him, man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, that was yeah, a good so, pep talk. Yeah, that was very helpful. And, and as a result of it, then I have to remind myself, okay, so I know these things. That doesn't mean that I don't prepare. It doesn't mean that I don't keep on reading and I stay up to date with stuff. But I, I am much more confident since then. I've been a guest of multiple podcasts and social lives and, and all that. And still, I get scared. Still, Me the too. thought goes through my mind <laughs> <laughs> that this is not going to work out. It's going to be I a do big my deep flop. breathing. Before. Yeah. And then, and then I just go through it, you know, and then I, I usually just afterwards, then I try to think about, okay, how did it go? And, and that's what I mean. Like, I think being able to recognize or acknowledge your thoughts and emotions and not really judge if let's say you get a positive or negative feedback, but rather just take it as feedback. I think what is what really helps in the success of a private practice. I don't think that, you know, you think about, oh, I just want to avoid failure. One is not realistic because it's part of life, but then also two, it's just not really fair. You know, I think not trying would be failure. That that That's that true. would that would be I would be more concerned with not trying. Yeah, my husband says when I recently had a contractor I hired that, that was a therapist that quit on me um unexpectedly on Friday. So yeah, I was cursing up a storm. <laughs> my husband's like, he's all calm. What is the lesson there? <laughs> he's like my little Buddha. <laughs> And you're like, but it's Whoa. true, isn't it? What is the lesson, right? Whenever something doesn't go well. Well, yeah. And, and I think, but I think it's easy to think about that once you're like calm, calm and collected. <laughs> I think in the moment. In the moment, just, it may not be. But. It's just not possible. It's, it, and, and I think that like what you were saying earlier, it is really important, like allowing yourself grace to go through the moment, you know, experience the emotion because you're a human and experience the emotion, go through it and then go back and review the situation. And reflect, right? What do I want and where am I going now? And how can I reroute just like our GPS? Exactly. Just recalculate. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Because we got to do that a lot in in business, don't we? (laughs) True. Because some things we try are just not going to work, period. And, and also what works for one practice doesn't really work for another. Um, uh, like I said, in physicians, I I am part of a lot of different Facebook groups. And like what you were saying earlier, somebody was saying, oh, I, I got 200 patients signed up and whatever. And I was like, okay, that's great. But ouch, you know, that's... <laughs> Like a punch to the gut. No. Yeah. Um, but then that's a different kind of specialty and that's a different kind of practice than what I have. True. You, you know what I mean? Like my patients are people that want to work, are people that are busy, that are stressed, and and I want to provide that kind of care for them. And, and my practice is not for everyone. You know, there are people that, you know, perhaps they don't want to uh, work with someone that sees them for longer periods of time, that they actually want to be seeing 10 minutes 
not my style because I don't think in 10 minutes I get to know you. So, you know, it, it really depends on what the practice, it, it, what the focus of the practice is. Um, and like I said, I really, I'm really interested in physician wellness, in uh, women's mental health, and particularly with women, we're many times in impossible situations. So, you know, that is not something that you can do in 15 minutes. And I don't want to be in a place where I am forced to see patients so quickly because that's true. I will not get to do the care that I want. Yeah. And it's finding, I think, like you said, the the right clients for you and your practice. Because once I'm with my ideal clients, I mean, we're grooving, we're moving along and things are going great. And I see the the progress they make. But if I'm with someone that's just not working and I just take any client that comes my way, it's not helpful for either of us. Exactly. And and that, like, for instance, like I have patients that I give hugs, which is something that I was trained that you never do. But there's a human in me that actually says, well, what this person actually needs right now is a hug. Right. And appropriate, of course, I'll give you a hug. So, you know, I talk a lot. Sometimes I curse. You know, I always apologize if I do. But, you know, I sometimes it, it does slip. And, and that is something that... But my, you're human. Exactly. That I'm, I'm human. And I want my patients to be able to see me as a human and, and also be able to to see, hey, you're, it's not like we're not disconnected. It's not, you know, you're not distant from me. And, and, and that is not every patient is appropriate for my practice. Like I said, there are patients that also, you know, that they might say, well, you know what, it's too complicated or I, have, I need more intensive services than that, that's the other thing. Like my practice would not be for someone like that, but I will certainly help them get connected with someone because I want to make sure that they get the care that they need, even if exactly. it is without me. Yeah, for sure. I always say that too, as part of my practice. If if I can't help you, I'll find some help you find someone who can. And I think that's just just showing good care for people in our community. True. And and I work also very closely with the therapists that I share patients with. So that is another thing that there are patients. I had one patient once said, oh, I don't want you talking to my therapist for my primary care. And I'm like, well, then it doesn't work out because I actually need to work with these people. Like the therapist sees them more frequently than I do. And I need to be able to coordinate care with everyone. So that would not be an ideal patient. But I, I am very grateful that, you know, the patients that I have and the patients that continue to seek out my services are people that are, that are in, in the same wavelength as I am. You know, they want to develop a relationship. They don't want something that is like very cut and dry, you know, so they, they want to work on their mental health issues, um, but they want to do that with compassionate care and not just like, a, hey, here's a prescription. Good luck to you. Exactly. Well, what would you say to therapists who want to maybe expand outside of just therapy? Like you said, doing speaking things or maybe doing workshops, but they've never done that before. And there's a lot of fear there. What would you say to them? Well, I would say, think about the things that you want to do and the things that you enjoy doing. If you are someone that enjoys talking and you like educating people, then maybe speaking is for you. If you want to be able to educate people, but let's say you don't want to speak in front of a big group, maybe creating videos or doing workshops could be your thing. I know that sometimes people do affiliate programs where, you know, that they get extra income that way, but I would say it really depends on what speaks to you. 
I am much more introverted and I have a social anxiety. I hate speaking. In, I hate public speaking. I don't like like big networking events. That being said, if I don't do any of those things that I'm not able to get what I want, like I am very passionate about educating people and mental health issues, particularly women and perinatal psychiatry and all that. In order for me to be able to do that, I have to get over my fear that it's going to go bad. So, <laughs> so, so I have to kind of jump on it, you know, if you will, like the big networking events that I absolutely dislike. I have met the most amazing people there that are still in my life. You never know who you're going to meet. Exactly. You never know. So even if you're afraid, even if you're not sure, just try to get your feet wet, something, whatever it is, try it out, see how it goes. And then just take that feedback and figure out if that is the way you want to, you want to do things. Like I know that whatever I do, I don't ever want to give up my clinical. And I, I know that I will never do an MBA. I know that I will never do like business stuff because I just don't like it. But I am definitely passionate about educating, doing the the speaking on these topics and my clinical care. So I'm definitely working on those primarily. But yeah, but I would say just kind of think about what you want to do. Be kind to yourself and separate yourself from the business. You know, if something happens in the business and is not going well, is the business is not a reflection of you as a person. But yeah, but I would say whatever it is that you want to do, we also need to practice kind of having that little bit of separation. So that way it doesn't feel like, okay, this is just a direct reflection of me, whatever in that. Yeah, I think it does take some bravery too to put yourself out there. But what I did too is also talk to people in the field who have been successful with whatever I want to do, like podcasting. I'm, you know, I joined, jumped into that. But I, I, I was like, if we back up the truck, <laughs> I took a lot of courses. I talked to a lot of podcasts. You know, I did my research. So it's, it's finding people too to to set yourself up for the most success too. And, and I think that's where the community comes in. Uh, you know, the, the things that that have helped me in my career have not only been, like I said, like my family, my friends. And and cooling have been like podcasts like yours. Like I was on you the other day. I, I really enjoy the podcast because I feel like I learn a lot. Oh, and thanks I'll, for listening. <laughs> and you know, uh, there are so many things I've done, like business courses, all those different things that you know that perhaps take extra time, but it is also an investment. Um, so you also have to think about it that way. That you know, if I really want to thrive in my business, then. I really need to do things a little bit differently. And that may mean connecting with mentors, connecting with other people, asking how other people are doing things and kind of pick and choose what would work for you. Because like like I was saying, what would work for one practice may not work for another one. You know, having a medical practice is completely different than having a therapist practice. That being said, I listen to a lot of podcasts that have to do with therapy, private practice, because I have found those to be very helpful. And I also do my medical practice podcasts and so, I mean, as, as long as we have the thirst to learn and that we're ready to take chances, take risks and just take the feedback, process the emotions and the thoughts, we should be gold. Yeah, totally. And I think one thing I recommend, too, is getting coaches. I've hired coaches before, too, because guess what? There's people who have walked that walk and been very successful. So sometimes we need a little bit of an extra help in that. Just don't be afraid to do that. That is money investing in yourself, too. Agreed. Agreed. And delegating. I will say that, too. So I have a virtual assistant who is amazing. I have an editor for my podcast and I have a social media person and it is the most wonderful money spent ever. I agree. I agree. There are so many things that I think that not only about the time that it takes you to do all these different things, but also the mental bandwidth. Like once your mental effort goes into something, you may not have enough energy to do 
something else. And I'm not just talking about private practice stuff. It's just like even being present with your family. You know, if you're so tired, mentally and physically tired from wanting to do it all by yourself, you're just not going to be there. You're also not going to be there for your patients. So again, you owe it to your patients to take care of yourself and delegating and being okay. So that way you can provide the care that you want. So what what kind of self-care do you like to do to help yourself to stay more grounded? Well, I always meditate. I don't do long meditations, 30 seconds to 60 seconds. And I visualize my day, actually. I find it very helpful. And the way that I visualize it is like if everything that I wanted went the way that I wanted. Not only that puts me in a in a really good mood, but it kind of helps me get centered. I also journal my thoughts and and I have different notebooks. I have like notebook for like business ideas. I have a notebook of just like whatever comes to mind. And then I have another notebook where I just write down like my thoughts and my emotions, kind of what is happening in the moment. Another thing that has been helpful is that like what you were saying earlier, like asking for help, I always touch base with my people and I'm like, hey, I'm kind of feeling stuck with this or I am not sure that this is kind of working out or I'm just like really tired. Like as entrepreneur, burnout is a real thing too. I mean, there are times that I'm like, I just really don't want to think about any of this stuff. And and it just doesn't, you know, it, and that's when I, I kind of get this is okay, I, I need time away from this and I need to rest. And then once I'm able to recalibrate, the other thing I do is that I plan ahead and then I start making my goals and figuring out, okay, what is it that I need to accomplish this goal? And when am I going to do it? Like the smart goals, you know, you probably read that uh, somewhere. But yeah, it's, it's all about calibrating and kind of what would work for you. Yeah. And I think that it's something that you do have to make as an intention every day and don't wait for vacations or holidays. It is something that's got to be done all the time. Oh, yeah. Even even if it is like if I am actually feeling there are two things that I've trained myself to do is that if I'm feeling really overwhelmed by something or like the day, that is actually when I pause and I meditate for 30 seconds because I feel that that helps me again. That's so doable, too. I've never heard someone say 30 seconds to a minute. You know, I think that's amazing. Yeah. All I need to do is to breathe um, really and and just kind of tell myself, you know what, you're going to be fine. You're doing the best that you can right now. That sounds like some self-talk in there, too. Oh, yeah, of course. And I because that, that also helps me uh, prioritize things, because I also think that when we feel so overwhelmed, we think that everything is important. And and I think that that makes it hard for us to then make decisions. What is it that needs to be done first? But then once I calm my mind, then I'm like, OK, the first thing that really needs to happen is this than this. So I, I think of it more as a grounding technique. Um, the other thing is that if that doesn't seem to be working as well, then I try to distract myself by watching something stupid on YouTube that makes me laugh. Me too. And that's it. <laughs> well, funny <laughs> I mean, cats. Exactly. Exactly. Like sometimes I watch like, have you seen those little dogs that are like, like really fluffy and they kind of trip everywhere? No, I want to see that now. Oh my gosh, I'm going to send you the link. So they are, they're sort of like huskies, but they're like really tiny and really fluffy. Put it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they seem to trip everywhere. Oh my you God. Know, I love funny so, animals. There's something yeah, about it. so funny. And, and again, it's nothing, uh, it's nothing like really sophisticated or anything like it, but it does give me that little bit of a break. Now, if I am feeling like I am not competent as a psychiatrist in the moment, one, I remember the feelings are not necessarily facts. So that helps too. And then I actually read an article or something where I feel I learned something. And if I learn something, I'm like, okay, this is good. I learned, this is good. I feel better. 
Okay. Yeah. That's really helpful advice too. And, but I think what you just said too, is like, I got this right. That yeah. I can do this. That the way that we encourage our clients, we got to encourage ourselves because we're all going to have those low moments. And, and of course, getting your own therapy too, I think is so important, especially if you're starting something new. Oh, yeah. And, and not only, you know, even if you're starting private practice, just that the kind of work that we do with patients, a lot of times brings stuff up for us. And and I think having a therapist, I think that should be as important as you having like your primary care, as important as having your meal, that should be part of your self-care toolkit, if you will. Absolutely. So is there any takeaway that you could share today for people who might just be starting on their holistic journey? Yeah, Reframe the way that you think about failure. Failure is not really failure, it's just feedback. And try to acknowledge the thoughts, the emotions that come when things don't really work out your way. And then think about how can you take a lesson from what happened, what worked, what didn't. Um, for that matter, look for, let's say, something in social media, you know, you got comments and stuff. Even if it is positive or negative, just kind of watch how you feel and what you think about it. And regardless of what it is, just think about it as feedback. Don't judge yourself for it, but rather just reframe that you think about the whole the whole word. Good family. mantra. In yoga, we say mantra. Yes. Mantra. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Create your own mantra around the reframing of the word failure. <laughs> so what's the best way for listeners to find more about you? Well, they can go to my website is www.looksychiatry.com. And there they have my email. There's a phone number. If patients want to work with me, they just have to click on your patient. The system walks them through the whole thing. They'll have access to my calendar. But yeah, but I'd be interested in learning more about what other people are doing. So if they want to send me a message with what has helped them, I would be very grateful because I also want to learn what other people are doing. Yeah. And we'll have that in the show notes for listeners. But I want to thank you, Priscilla, for coming on the Holistic Counseling Podcast today. Thank you for having me. This was fun. This was fun. Definitely. And that brings us to the end of another episode. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode on Wednesday. And listeners, I want to thank you today for your continued support. Are you someone who's getting a private practice started? I know starting a private practice is hard. I've been there. My colleague and former coach, Joe Sanna, can help. So he's offering an affordable course to help you learn everything you need to know about effectively marketing your private practice, including types of marketing, how to optimize your website, paid advertising, and how to create quarterly marketing plan. All this for $97. Go to hcpodcast.org forward slash market your practice. That's hcpodcast.org forward slash market your practice. And once again, this is Chris McDonald sending each one of you much light and love. Till next time, take care. Thanks for listening. The information in this podcast is for general educational purposes only, and it is given with the understanding that neither the host, the publisher, or the guests are giving legal, financial, counseling, or any other kind of professional advice. If you need a professional, please find the right one for you. The Holistic Counseling Podcast is proudly part of the SiteCraft Network.